This Known Leader podcast is presented to you by your friends at LifeWay Student Ministry. We want to help you lead students to know God, own their faith, and make their faith known. You can find other incredible student ministry resources as well as future camp information at www.lifeway.com forward slash students. Welcome to another episode of our Known Leader podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Rick Prawl, and we are into our third session of study in our beginnings unit. We've talked about up to this point, where did the world come from and where did sin come from? And this week we're going to move into another story that for a lot of your students is going to be very familiar. Um, they may have seen the movie Evan Almighty. They may have seen flannel graphs as kids in, in Sunday school um, about Noah and the Ark. Uh, they've heard a lot of different things about Noah and the Ark. What we're really trying to do in this session is to dig into what is this story about the flood? What does it teach us about God? And we've given you some some good information in your materials about uh, about the timeline of the flood and some of the different things that went on. But really want to dig into what do we see about God? How do we get to know God more in this story? And I've still got Brian Daniel in the studio here with me. Brian, how's it going today? It's uh, summertime in Tennessee. It's wonderful. <laughs> Things are going well. And we don't have a flood this year, so... That's right. Um, and we're moving into this whole story about the flood. What does the story of the flood teach us about God? Brian, we're going to look at three life principles in here. Uh, we're in Genesis 6 and 7, um, the, some of the parts of the story of the flood. The, the story of the flood goes into other chapters as well, and, and we'll give you an opportunity to get into that. Even in our midweek, what can I learn about Noah as a result of this story? Uh, but Brian, what I really want us to focus on in this session with our students is... What do I learn about God? We see God all over the story. What are we supposed to learn about him in these verses? The first thing we want to pull out is that first life principle, is that God is serious about sin. Genesis 6, 5, and 7. What do you see there in those verses? Well, I I think um, most readily or most prominent is that God is separate. That um, I think the word holy is something that uh, I would definitely... Um, talk, spend quite a bit of time talking about in the groups that God is holy. And because of that, he is absolutely separate from sin and can't look on it. And so sin is a barrier, of course, as we understand, has been bridged. But I think before you get to that, um, to establish the need for, for Jesus and his coming here and this separation, and that God uh, will address it. And I think a lot of students might live in the reality or at least false belief that maybe he doesn't, which looking around, I you, know, you can understand that, but it's that is not true. That's right. Well, and and we've pulled out here that you know God's serious about sin. We've got a uh, some material in the student book there about that that the world is obsessed with evil. Mm-hmm. You know that that is a really good picture of what was going on here at this time in Genesis. You know, it says God was grieved by the people and their sinful attitudes. And and we look at the scriptures, and you're talking about you know Genesis three in the fall. And here's Genesis 6, and it, it seems like just a few chapters, so it wasn't that long, but it was actually a, a pretty good length of time in between Genesis 3 and Genesis 6, um, as you look over the chronology of folks, that there's a, a big gap of time that, man, people just fell completely into a sinful lifestyle, uh, completely turning their backs on God, you know, getting involved in, in sinful activities. It doesn't sound a whole lot different than where we're at today. Uh, when we talk about that the world is uh, obsessed with evil, and with your girls, you know, and you look at the world, what are some things that you see that are that students are dealing with that really point to this obsession with evil? Television is an easy one, yeah. and we can't 
hardly turn on the television. And I think our talk about obsessions, the obsessions with sexuality, even right. at that age, the way that it's promoted to that to this age group is uh, is crazy. I mean, um, I can't believe some of the things that are on television. But I think I would go to the more subtle forms, um, Facebook and Twitter and some of the other social media forms, while maybe not rolling up under the category of e- evil, they do point us back to ourselves as the center of the universe. Right. And I think that's a subtle form of moving us in the direction of away from God because we're able to create an identity that maybe is apart from ourselves. Um, and everything, which is antithetical to the gospel, everything, it puts us, it makes us the center of our own story. When, and we bring that in line with what we're looking at these verses that, man, God is serious about sin, and, and he takes it seriously, which we move into just a little bit deeper in that story, verses 13 and 14 of Genesis 6. We get to our second life principle this week is that that God is serious about sin. God will also use people to accomplish his purpose. Um, specifically, we're getting into to Noah here. What do you see there in those verses that God would use yeah. People to accomplish his purpose. You know, I, you know, Noah is probably going about his life, right? Yeah. And he's doing, he's doing what he does, um, not knowing that today is going to be the day that I'm going to be singled up by God to save the world. Right. And yeah. so I think the point is, when you, maybe when you least expect it, God is going to call you out. So you've got to be ready. You you have got to be serious about personal holiness. You've got to be serious about your relationship with God because. When you're called on, you've got to be in the right mindset and the right heart set. Noah is one of those people. God demonstrates over and over in Scripture His willingness to use people. And, and a lot of times, if not every time, it's one maybe the more unlikeliest of people. Right. And that could be you. That That's could right. be you today. And it doesn't matter what your age is. Well, we've got a question in here to, to ask students. I'm going to ask you um, that very last question under that, uh, that Second Life Principles. What does it mean to be available to God? You know, students, we're talking about you know being available to God, being ready to be used by Him. What does that mean to be available? Yeah, that's a nice entree into the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Um, I think a daily quiet time uh, to be in a missional mindset and a posture of prayer. I think uh, to have avoided the many temptations that are around us, or at least to have a repentant heart. In that respect, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about being perfect, and I'm sure Noah wasn't perfect, but just like David was uh, slighted as a man after God's own heart, can you be that person? And I think each of us has to define that. If I was leading this, one of the things I would point out uh, and point these students is back to the spiritual disciplines. And uh, maybe the biggest part of that is being in the text, being in the scripture regularly. Well, and what do you think set Noah apart from everybody else? you know, God looked at him and said, okay, you know, I don't see anybody else righteous except you. How did Noah get to that point? I mean, don't you think um, that's just almost God's decision? I mean, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, he, there's something in his wiring and his lifestyle and his family and his heart, uh, maybe even in his prayers. The word I like to use here is posture. Did he have a, a posture that... Uh, that had a God bent to it. Well, and we look at, you know, again, Genesis 1 through 6, and, you know, there was that that relationship with God that was established in the garden, and, and that continued. God had relationship with people. Noah, you know, had a, a, obviously, as we look at the Scripture, had a better relationship with God than everybody else, that they were bent on that rebellious nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God 
used him, as you mentioned, just you know, out, the, out of the blue one day, he just called him up, which is, as you look at the scripture, you know, I think students could be jaded by, as you talked about with movies, Evan Almighty and, and uh, the television series that produ- was produced on Noah and, and some of those things that kind of give us a real false picture of what was Almost going on. Almost caricature. Yeah. 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 And that's a good word, a caricature. But God chose Noah to use him for his purpose. Then we're going to come back around again to this idea of what does the story teach us about God. God's serious about sin. God's going to use people to accomplish his purpose. He has a purpose that he's going to get to. But that also God means what he says. Um, Genesis six seventeen, and then jumping over into chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. What do you see in those verses that highlight this idea that God means what he says? You don't have to look farther than uh, verse 17. That's uh, six seventeen. Understand that I am bringing a flood. Floodwaters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven uh, with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will die. There's, there are no wasted words there. Right. There's uh, something about, I don't know, sincerity doesn't get it done, but when God speaks, I, uh, if you, it, remind, it reminds me of like God's presence at Mount Sinai, that the mountain com- combusted right. into flame. It reminds me of Isaiah. When he speaks to Isaiah and, Isaiah, and the calling of Isaiah, the ground shakes when his voice. Right. It's like all of creation even responds to his voice. God means what he says. He speaks directly to the heart and to the very essence of who we are. Well, And when, when God said that there was going to be a flood, <laughs> he meant it. I mean, and we get in Genesis 7 that you know God sent the flood and destroyed everything and and just that timeline of the flood that you know these guys were on the ark for you know, over a year during this whole process that God destroyed everything that I mean he meant what he says and I think for a lot of our students that's that's a hard concept com- to completely grasp because as parents a lot of times we say things and then we don't we don't follow through um, and we have to get as parents, you know, with our kids when they're little getting the whole counting okay I'm going to count to three or we don't follow through with discipline but God means what He says. He says, "I'm going to flood the earth," and it, it came about. How? It might be good. It might be good to uh, to have at your disposal some of the other uh, things that God has said. You might look at some of the messianic prophecies, even that right. came true about Jesus, that are so specific, particularly going out of Egypt, the thirty pieces of silver and the betrayal, that right. that not a bone would be broken. Uh, to point to all those things that to those to that level of detail that have come to fruition or that have been proven to be true throughout uh, the recorded our recorded biblical history. Well, and that has a great point because that really highlights this question this week uh, of what can we learn about God from the story of the flood uh, is that he is going to do what he says he's going to do and those things that he's promised, and we see that fulfilled over and over through the Messianic prophecies. There's a great line in one of the Jane Austen novels that I've read, which is only one, so I've only read one <laughs> Jane Austen novel, but uh, she says, Com- rarely or seldom, very seldom, does complete truth belong to any human disclosure. And it's important to note there that as humans, we have our own filters, our own stories, our own agendas, and depending on our audience, we may say different things. For instance, you may say something different to your teen that you would to a coworker. But God is anything but that. Just like we said, there's no wasted words. He has none of those things. And so every word that proceeds from his mouth is an absolute truth, hmm. whether he's speaking about something that is going to happen or something that is happening without prejudice, which is, for a student, I think if I was that age, I would have a real hard time understanding that. So you might want to be very deliberate as to pointing out that God wastes no energy and no words. That's a good point. 
So leaders, as we wrap this one up again, our question, what does the story of the flood teach us about God? Three things. God is serious about sin. God will use people to accomplish his purpose, and God means what he says. Our point this week is that God is holy and faithful. Um, Drive that home with your students this week. Um, We're going to come back again next week, and we're going to continue to pick up on the story of the last part uh, the last part of the story of the flood of you know what's the big deal with covenants in the Bible because we see a great example of a covenant not the first covenant uh, but one of the early covenants in the Bible in this next session so join us again next week. <laughs>